It's maybe the uh, the least of this episode's problems, Clay, but I I don't think the title makes sense to this. My my understanding of a prodigal daughter is that it's someone or a prodigal whatever is that it's someone who leaves, wastes their life, and then comes back to their family who embraces them wholeheartedly. It's like a biblical story. Mm. Um, I don't know if you have any experience in your own life or anything being prodigal or anything like that, but I I, I think it's the least of the episode's problems, but it still sticks out to me as kind of an issue here. Yeah, um, it's uh, probably is the least least of it. I'm just going to be honest with you. I'm real tired, and this was a <laughs> real big waste of time for me. So this is not going to be a fun podcast. We're going to uh, we're going to talk about Prodigal Daughter right after this. Accessing library computer data. Out there, there are no saints. All right, everybody. So the episode is called Prodigal Daughter. It's the 11th episode of the seventh season, aired on January 6, 1999. Written by Bradley Thompson and David Weddle, although we'll get into who actually wrote it. Directed by Victor Lobel. In this episode, Esri returns to her home to ask her family's help in finding O'Brien, who has disappeared while searching for the widow of a dead friend. And everyone is very sad about it. I guess the uh, the main thing here, Clay, is that this... This is one of those episodes that they had an episode planned. They tried to write it. It didn't work. And then a couple of days before they had to start shooting, they had to scrap everything and start over. And they used Is a- the episode that they scrapped, was it everything that gets talked about in this episode but doesn't actually happen? No, the episode that got scrapped is Cisco sees like a future version of himself who tells him that something catastrophic is going to happen. Oh, and boy. It's totally different, but apparently they... They couldn't get that story to work. They apparently wrote it and realized it had no conflict. So they but, scrapped it and wrote an episode that has no conflict in it to replace but, yeah. it. Yeah, but this one worked like a friggin' uh, well-oiled machine, apparently. <laughs> but it's, it's one of the cases of they, they had a couple days to write it. It's credited to Bradley Thompson and David Weddle, but I think the, the, the behind-the-scenes thing is that every writer had basically 10 pages assigned to them, and they just wrote it and stuck it all together, and that became the script. Oh, God. Um, I'll throw it to you. This is probably... It's this has potential to be one of the worst scripts that the series has done so far. I think. Yeah, um, I even, paused even other it. bad ones have bad ideas. Like the Move Along Home, the game one from the first season. Yeah. It was just like at least there's like an idea there or something, and it's just a terrible yes. script. But this is just fails on pretty much every level. I paused it uh, half exactly halfway in, which or more almost exactly halfway in. Uh, which is which is about twenty minutes, which is where they drop the um, where O'Brien shows up and they drop the the stinger about the woman is dead, and I could not believe that the entire twenty minutes before that had been talking about shit that nobody cares about, uh, talking about characters that nobody gives a crap about because they don't know who they are. Um, and like, not don't even, even see a family. lot of them. You don't see many of no, the characters. No, you don't see any of them. <laughs> and then, then, it, and Esri goes to her house and talks about, like, the, the whole cold open is like, well, looks like you're gonna have to call your mom. Mm. I think it's just a lot anyway, of people saying gah to varying degrees yeah, of intensity. Listing yeah, off, listing off different types of gah like she's uh, <laughs> Bubba from Forrest Gump. Um, Bam. But, but uh, uh, the, she goes to her ha- house, and it's like f- 
10, 15 minutes of not even family drama, just talking to each other. Yeah, yeah. You know, you know what There's, the um, they're 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 talking about the brothers' art art career. Yeah, and then eventually it turns out he killed somebody. <laughs> <laughs> you know what the uh, you know what the dialogue reminds me of. People say it's soap opera y, which it is, but I think it is something more specific. Have you are you familiar with any of like the FMV video games that were big in the nineties? Uh like give the, me a title. Like sort of the um Phantasmagoria was one where it's like they film they videotape people and then they insert oh, them into yes. the game and you talk to these people. Yeah. All the yeah, dialogue like here the, uh, feels, the, um, Go ahead. The Sega CD type games? Yeah, Sega CD with like Night Terrors, I think, is a famous one. Is um, that the one with Christopher Walken? No, that's a different one. He's like a murder detective or something, he, isn't yeah, he? In that you one? really yeah. need uh, everybody, you know, you owe it to yourself to look up on YouTube the Christopher Walken scenes from that video game. Because <laughs> if it's Christopher Walken at 11, not having any idea what's going on. Yeah. That's fantastic. Yeah. Unsupported by the, the other people in his acting uh, troupe at, at the same time. The dialogue reminds me of that just because it's a lot of um it's a lot of characters coming in and expositioning themselves as to who they are and everything in like the most yeah. blunt way possible. It's like, Oh, good to see you, Esri. Too bad about my art career not taking off. Ugh. Hey Esri, I'm the asshole brother, so I actually didn't do the crime. It's gonna be the nice guy just to throw you off. But like yeah. and you know, and the mother like, Oh, I hate your haircut. Anyway. It's, Hello, all, it's that kind of stuff. I'm your mother. The one who is your mother. Right. These are also my sons who are your brothers. I birthed you. I birthed you all. Why um why do her Trill family not understand the joining process? I have no fucking clue. I have no idea why her she's like cast she's she's like a pariah. I mean, that's probably too hard heavy of a word cuz that in, in implies some sort of drama. Uh but she's like look down upon because she does what every trill does, or wants she's to do, being, yeah. she's looked down upon like the artist brother should be looked down upon as as like the career that she chose. That's that's you know, my... she, she, she she's she joined she joined with a symbiote and went off to Starfleet, and they're looking at her like she's a self employed <laughs> artist. And trust me, I've seen that look. What is it? I don't know. What's going on here? What do you mean? Did you come here to find me, or to prevent me finding out the truth? I don't know what you're talking about, so maybe you should just tell me, Chief. The connection between the Orion Syndicate and your family is Marika Bilby. She was on the company's payroll when she died. Did you know about this? No, of course not. Well, someone in your family did. And since they didn't mention it, they obviously don't want us to know. Are you suggesting... I'm not suggesting anything. But you have to face the possibility that somebody in your family was involved in our death. That was my, um... That's my fundamental, like, problem that I think could have been fixed. Would it should have been that, if you're going to call it the prodigal daughter, Dax has to leave and she is kind of the pariah of the family. She gets the symbiont and comes back and her mother is now impressed with her, right? And that, yeah, and that feeds into her brothers never getting joined, so they're seen as lesser, and like the mother doesn't respect the artsy son who wants to do something else, and then, mm-hmm. then you have a little bit of like conflict between everybody that makes sense. Where he at the end is like, "You never, you never expected me to do anything. Well, this is what I've done, basically." 
But they don't do any of that. And then Dax's thing at the end where she's like, I should have just gone home, doesn't make any sense. But you don't have, there's no, there's no conflict for Ezri here. It's just sort of random scene by scene stuff that keeps coming on. And the thing at the end, when, when, when she's like, when the last, like, uh, when they, when they give you that, uh, two minute scene at the end where they talk about the theme of the episode. Yeah. The tag with the O'Brien. theme of the episode is I should have called my mom. Mm-hmm. What the hell? Like, <laughs> that when, when O'Brien does show up, the first thing I thought was, yeah, I thought this episode was about trying to find O'Brien who possibly was in trouble because he was looking up the, the info about this dead woman. He just shows up and, uh, and then he's like, oh yeah, she's dead. Mm-hmm. And I and he said that, and I was like, <laughs> "Who the fuck is he even talking?" I don't even remember what the hell's going on here. Why they they give you this stinger as though the death of this woman means absolutely anything? Yeah, yeah. Bilby, you remember from Bilby, old, old Bilby. Yeah, I, I mean, and then o- O'Brien. It's really just like all the problems stem from this fact that it does feel like each writer had ten pages, and no one was really sure what the episode was about, so they just kind of wrote a different angle on everything. Yeah, mm-hmm. and. When O'Brien shows up, O'Brien is just there, and he has literally nothing to do for the rest of the episode. He's just kind of hanging out with Ezra. And the mystery aspect of it is so stupid as well, because if they're not going to focus on family drama, they switch it into this like mystery thing of who this woman was. The, the yeah. O'Brien figures out the crime with very little evidence of anything. He's, he's basically like, I know your family's involved. We have to check this out. This woman worked for your family. Therefore, because she's dead, your family killed this woman. That's all the evidence yeah. he has. There's, yes. there's no linking of anything there. He just makes this colossal jump that turns very, out to be correct. Very small universe in this episode, yes. <laughs> but even at the end when the brother admits it, it's like it's like such a non-committal uh, scene of writing where it's like they didn't even bother to, to work out the details because he's like, it's true. I did it. <laughs> she was alive and now she's dead and I killed her. She and the method that I used was deadly and it stuck. <laughs> That's as far as I'm going to go into detail. It was <laughs> but she's dead now and it's my fault. Look at me now, mom. My greatest pain. Even if he what I was just about to say is more interesting than anything he said. Yeah. Ted Ted Shaw from Mad Men does not have a have a good off there, but it's the same as easily as O'Brien solves it. The scene is just them standing around, and they're all going like, "Jesus, I don't know who killed her." And and Dax just turns slowly to her brother and says, "Did you have anything to do with this?" And he breaks down immediately. There's there's no build. There's no. He's an artist. He's emotional. Very sensitive to these things. It's an extremely bad script. It's really just like nothing. No, no segment of it ties in. They're not. They don't do anything with the Dax stuff, which is like whether or not there's difficulty with the trill. It's kind of a waste of an episode because if you're going to do something about Ezri, it either they talk ha- about they talk about paperwork so much in this episode. They do a lot of a lot of bookkeeping. There's so yeah. much paperwork. There's. Did you ever see? Um, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Uh, did you ever see the movie A Mighty Wind, the Christopher uh, Guest movie? Yes, that's the um, the music one, isn't it? No, uh, theater troupe. Which one? Yes, I'm sorry. I'm thinking of uh, For Your Consideration, the one after that. It's oh, about okay. actors. Um, there's a scene in that that I I I thought was hilarious. That reminded me of that. This reminded me of quite a bit. 
where they're showing a clip from a fake cop show and there's like dark law and order music happening and like a really like low angle shot of this cop who walks over to this other cop and is like hey uh i don't think you filed this paperwork correctly and the guy's like no i did i filled out the correct section he's like no you used the wrong form so you're gonna have to go back and you're gonna have to go do it again it's like dun 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 and that's exactly (laughs) how i felt in this episode like you've got O'Brien sitting behind a desk with like a split lip talking about mining paperwork yeah. and this murder and the music is like low and creeping and it's like ooh this is supposed to be interesting but it's not yeah yeah no I'm they sorry, I cut you off they, they it's every I mean just if you just go through it it's just such a jumping it's Ezri wants to go has to go home over this family problems she meets her family there doesn't seem to be any problems but you're brought up with the fact that they are trill and for some reason don't seem to understand the joining process which we talked about that moves into O'Brien finds this woman has been killed which moves into O'Brien figures out that sabotage has been going on because of this crime syndicate which moves into the family joined forces with the crime syndicate, and then the brother killed this woman because she worked for them and they weren't paying her enough money. Just the the, the whole, the evidence of everything is so funny. O'Brien's like, I found this woman. She worked for your company. She got a raise at some point during her career here. My mm. God, like it must be, it must be crime related. She, her, her salary doubled over the course of a year or whatever. It's like. What kind of evidence is this, O'Brien? This is garbage. This is why he failed in that episode that's related to this where he was an undercover cop. But uh, he works here to repair the mines and everything's fine with it. There's a reason why more often than not in in murder mysteries, you spend at least like a couple minutes with the person who gets murdered because you can't really... I guess Law & Order kind of proves that wrong though, don't they? If it's about the process of solving it, it could be interesting enough That's without knowing. That's true. That's a good point. Yeah. Well, yeah. If it's... <laughs> this is not really about the process of solving the murder. <laughs> well, the murder but mystery get, only comes up well, for about me, five okay, minutes me, in the middle of the episode. That. Let me rephrase this. Um, you need to have some idea of who this person is, whether or not it's spending time with them or learning about them through the process of solving the crime, you do neither of those things in this. Yeah, well, I'd say you get to know... Law and Order succeeds because it gets to know the people who are tangential to the murder victim. Exactly, yes. So if you don't get to know the family here in the way that they do, because they have no real relationship with this woman through this story. They just kind of paid her as a mob payoff thing. And it's not... And O'Brien never talks about who this woman is to him. Like right, he's only yeah. looking for her because his it's his dead friend, and we don't even know who the friend. Have we ever met this guy, Bilby? Yeah, it's that guy when O'Brien was undercover last season. It's that. Oh the, fuck that! Yeah, that's that guy. Fuck, yeah. get out of here with that bullshit. <laughs> the one, the one who was uh, who was concerned about his. Fa- yeah, get the get that. Yeah, the, the woman from the picture. Who I, I like the episode that it undermines the Bilby thing from the previous episode because I got the sense that his family was this honest family, but apparently she's like, hey, the mob payments aren't good enough, you, you sons of bitches. <laughs> and she complains yeah. about getting paid enough by this family that they kill Don't her. Don't they have a kid, too? Yeah, they do. He's not mentioned. What happened though. to the yeah. kid? He's in the mines. Why aren't they, Why isn't anybody concerned about the kid whose <laughs> both of his parents have been killed by the fucking mob? Before, before the start of this episode, right, out of uh, the widow Bilby, Julian Bashir, and Keiko O'Brien... Who was the last person O'Brien had sex with, do you think? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I only based, assume that he's hunting down the... Mrs. Bilby for, for one thing. It's all I can get my my mind around. Well, I, I mean, I was going to say, based on the 
way Bashir is longingly looking at the uh, airlock door, I would have to say it might be Bashir. What's the matter, Julia? No, I'm just, I'm very excited that Miles is coming back. You're going to play holodeck, huh? You're going to play holodeck with them. Yes. Kinda. Yes, I am. All hands on deck. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, it's a... um, it's pretty. Are you, use, are you going to be using the Vikings program? No, <laughs> we're going to be using the ancient Greek program. <laughs> no girls allowed. Sign on the, Romans, uh, on the door. Rather. I, I, I think my point was before. Like, if you, uh, you know, Ezri kind. Of, the problems with Ezri kind of continue here because if you have this season, you have this new character. You kind of feel like you have to write episodes about her. But I think this episode fails if you're doing an Ezri episode, which is a character that's appeared in the last season. Uh, and it's only going to be around for X amount of episodes. You either have to do something that's really, really insightful about that character, or you have to stick her into the plots that you could give to anyone, but the plot is strong enough that she can just exist as the main character in that story. And neither of those apply here. Her family drama is awful, and the murder mystery payoff syndicate story is probably even worse than the family story, I think. Yeah. Um, I thought the most interesting thing in this episode was when she was talking about the gach. Because that, no, I'm serious. Because that at least was playing with the, with her dealing with old memories and how things aren't, she, you know, the way that she felt about things as other hosts yeah. doesn't, yeah, as other hosts doesn't cross over to how she feels as, uh, as Esri. That stuff at least was, using her character for something mildly interesting even though it's nothing new with her yeah um but the the minute the minute she was like yeah i haven't talked to my mom in a while we left on really awkward terms because after i got uh eight other beings grafted to my fucking psyche i accidentally introduced myself as curzon and she's just never gotten over it like, what <laughs> what the f- what is happening yeah, it's it's terrible. I I watched it the first time. Uh I didn't really rewatch this, but I kind of refreshed it by running in the background. I watched it and was convinced at the end of the episode that I had missed what the family problem was. I I, I just assumed, yeah. I just assumed I blacked out and missed the line of dialogue that explained what the problem was, but I I've gone on Memory Alpha. I looked through it. I ran through the episode again this morning. There is no conflict in the family. They just have no. a, a strained relation relationship. Even even the thing that she talks about, they gloss that over too, because she calls her mom, and the mom's like, "Oh, yeah, we can't wait to see you. As long as you don't introduce yourself as Curzon this time." <laughs> but seriously, we're really looking forward to seeing you at home. And she's like, "Ugh, I don't know if I can do this." Yeah, what it, is going on? Not even I would say the the episode doesn't even really push the mother into a pressuring Esri to stay behind and help the business. Kind like no. Do they even have that conversation? I don't even think they have that conversation. Think, no, I don't think they do. So that's all. And if they do, I missed it because I was drawing in my notes because I <laughs> hated this episode. And the other, I mean, just it's all inconsistent character work. But the the mother set up as this horrible, uh, like dry, like slave driving character, right? Who's like destroying her family because she's concerned about her fifth biz- biggest business in the sector or whatever. And then at the end, she's not even the one that killed anybody really like so she she didn't take that characterization to the end result which would be like the business is more important than anything it's her right. goofball brother who does that and her mother can't believe that he's done that it's just this 
it, it's all these tropey cliche scenes stuck together and none of it makes sense with any of the other stuff that came before it. And I, I understand that like this all comes down to the, the script problem. The only real thing that I enjoy from this episode is that O'Brien being there adds a glimmer of like sort of comedy to things in a way that I don't even think is intentional. But I enjoyed the O'Brien in the mine scene where he's looking at the little thing saying like, this is the wrong piece with his mining hat on. And he talks to that horrible syndicate guy who couldn't do a a better job of disguising the fact that he's involved in organized crime. Um, That that's the only thing I enjoyed. That was another scene where I just wanted to put my head through the TV when it, when it was an entire scene. It's it's exactly like that uh, for your consideration scene where he's like, yep, Here's the problem. It's this piece, and the guy's like, "No, it says not it the, says it's that piece." That's, yeah, yeah, that's, that's the right piece. It's like, yeah, but it's labeled incorrectly. How I do don't you, think so. I how, think how it's the right that? piece. No, it's labeled incorrectly. Trust that me, that was a scene yeah. in a television show. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it's. And then the guy from uh, the guy who shows up, he's the the guy who plays the uh, shitty brother from UHF. I don't know if you remember that movie, the Weird Al movie. No, well, I remember uh, the he, movie. I don't remember him. He's the guy who just walks out of the shadows and just gives exposition about the crime syndicate for like five minutes. Yeah. To the older brother, and uh, yeah, that it's. Ugh. It's we so, can't have O'Brien well, you, hanging. It's just the, he's like the guy's like we can't have O'Brien staying here. He knows too much. So the guy's like, all right. The next scene, the brother's even, just like, hey, O'Brien, can scene, you go home soon? And O'Brien goes, okay. <laughs> and he walks. And off. even that scene, the guy's like, he can't be around here. He's Starfleet secret intelligence. The guy's like, no, he's just an engineer. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, never mind then. Um, Slinks back into see the you tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's 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 really, really, really like how silly. do you how do you how do you write this script uh, apparently by telephone in the seventh and final season of your show and shoot it straight and and not just be like embarrassed with yourself the entire time you do like how 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 can you not like get the script, get the f- finished script and everybody goes, all right, well. This doesn't work. We missed a week, uh, yeah. What can we do here to make this interesting? How about we just make the... Can we make... Can we cast a bunch of character actors or something to make this at least fun to watch instead of just listening to people talk about, uh, you know, bookkeeping for an hour? But they didn't. They just played it, like, super straight. The woman they got to play the mom seemed like she... It's... I don't... I did, she looked familiar, but I didn't look her up. She seemed like she was a guest star that they got... And they were like, she's a great actor. We're really happy to have her. And she's just reading this bland dialogue, trying yeah. to find any reason to make a connection between these characters. And it's just a, it's just a, a dead zone. It. I thought for for the first half of this episode, I thought this was the worst backdoor pilot episode i'd ever seen like i thought they were trying to spin off the trill family or something right. i was like what the fuck is happening here when they're sitting around at this house talking about family business but not even like in an interesting kind of uh you know shady way they're literally talking about bookkeeping and her brother's ability to paint and how he's not good enough for the mom for to be what the mom i i just couldn't wrap my brain around why they were doing this Here's some uh, production team talking about it. Ronald D. Moore said, The show was already in preparation, so this was a case of first thought, best thought. Just throw it down and move on because we've got to get 10 pages done today. So boom, you just blaze through it. 
Nicole DeBear, who plays Ezri, said, Iris Stephen Bear, uh, DeBoer, Iris Stephen Bear apologized to me for the episode afterwards. Director Victor Lobel was unimpressed. Other than the trappings, it never felt part like Deep Space Nine. It seemed like O'Brien had just been brought in to bear witness to these events more than do anything actually in it. And that only got us to a location, and then we just watched things unfold. The feeling across the board was that there was nothing driving it. The crew became so disillusioned with the show, they dubbed it Audrey Goes Home, a tongue-in-cheek reference to the TV show The Big Valley, which I assume is a failed episode of that show or whatever. Yeah, it's, I mean... It's the same it's the same thing that we always sort of talk about where the show production wise now production on the show is obviously so uh so much of a machine that even when they get scripts like this like it it feels like there's something there like the the acting and the TV production of it outside of the script are solid enough at this point where you don't realize how bad it is immediately you keep thinking something's going to happen but the the script is just awful, which is, I think, like how you have to grade these episodes at this point, because if the production is going to be always improving, you're really just sort of bound by the quality of the writing in it to determine how good the episode is. And this one's just it's a real sloppy, real sloppy mess, I think, unfortunately. Yeah, I don't I don't know why you would write a family drama type episode that just doesn't have any family drama in it. And all the drama is completely peripheral action. Mm-hmm. I, I don't understand like because i was just thinking i was like well what if what if they had taken the core concept of what was going on here and you know you've got the family you've got the brother who's like not living up to whatever uh why don't what if you switched it and had it be like um esri goes home the mother is happy to see her she like is p- casting too much praise on esri and esri's like embarrassed about it because she's a, a starfleet officer and blah, blah 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 she was the goofball before before the, yeah. the joining yeah yeah and then you've got this uh uh deadbeat brother who the conflict of the episode turns out to be that he's trying to steal her symbiote or something like that yeah so well, he i can mean be the the successful one or yeah. something you know something that actually matters with the characters that you've established and not just uh it there's yeah I, that i I'm, I'm I think it's all I think it's all you don't even have to do the steel thing because it's, the the conflict between the siblings is built in there in that they they say in this episode and it's been established that Ezri didn't deserve the Dax symbiote. She was just given right. it because she was the only right. Trill who was around. And mm-hmm. if you have these two, if you have these kids, the third kid is kind of unnecessary, the the uh, the other son, but if you have these two, the conflict between them would just be their mother was always overbearing to them. Ezri ran off got this Dax symbiote sort of, sort of by accident. And when she comes back, just that pure luck of the draw has caused their mother to like her now. And the brother yes. is like, this is not fair. Like, why is this happening? You had this random thing happen just by chance, and now your whole life is turned around in the eyes of our mother, and so I'm going to kill this person. And also have the crime happen while everyone is there so that there's some kind of, like, you know, you know what's going on. It would be hard to explain why O'Brien yeah. is there, but you need to have the murder happen during the family reunion so that it's like, oh, like this is all bubbling up into this kind of action that's going to happen. Yeah, something like that. I don't know. It's crazy. Let's, uh, let's take a break. We're going to play an audio clip. We'll come back. I have to pick one that's really riveting. So we're going to pick a riveting audio clip from this episode. We'll come back, read some patron thoughts, give our final thoughts about Prodigal Daughter. Norva was sentenced to 30 years. I wish you could say I was sorry, but considering what he did, he got off easy. I understand why you feel that way. 
But you didn't know him, Miles. Norval was very gifted. When we were young, he had so much potential. Norval was always the one that we all thought would be something special. And I don't know what happened. I don't know how my brother turned into... You know, I guess I just spent so many years dreaming of ways to get out of that house that I didn't see what was really going on inside. What was happening to Norvo. The endless humiliation. The constant drumbeat of criticism. The way his heart was carved up into little pieces. I should have seen it. I should have tried to stop it. You can't blame yourself. You're not responsible for that. But I am, don't you see? I should have gone home a long time ago. All right, everybody. So if you enjoyed the content today, maybe not the episode, but the uh, the podcast itself, you can support the show at patreon.com slash the Penske file. A couple dollars a month gets you extra stuff like extra podcasts, extra reviews, and all that good stuff. And plus, the Captain Tears gets a uh, shout out. So special thanks to go to Andrew Sherlock, Ben Douglas, Captain Cork, Cardinal Doomsday, Christian Michaels, Christian Pouch, Darth Mosk, David Beardmore, David Kay, Dwayne Hackett, Eric Johnson, HH28, IC Unicorns, Yarpy, Joint Mango, Kevin Reyes, Cal Barrett, Matt Cutler, Matt Ross, Mike Burnett, Nathan Elliott, Neil Brennan, Nick Sergi, Robert Cummins, Russell Elwood, Samuel Custer, Grim Santo, Sean, Spinobi, Tark Latif, Fall 13 Hero, and Will Yates. Thank you very much for supporting the show. Much appreciated. Patron thoughts. There's only five of them. So I guess that speaks to the quality of the episode. If you support the show on Patreon, you can leave your thoughts on upcoming episodes and we read them. Norman Buckwald says, Interesting story to tell about Esri's family and a sequel to Honor Among Thieves. When I first saw the episode... All I got was from it was, it's okay. So mother's uh, Esri's mother is a total control freak and even would be the type who wouldn't respect that her daughter got joined. Oh, excuse me. In fact, I wish it was more about Esri and her mother and she visited the station instead as she comes across as more fascinating and real than Loxana. But instead we get a crime intrigue story. I do admit when O'Brien for a second doesn't even trust Esri, who we remember is also Dax, that is yet a reminder that this is not normal Star Trek series, at least before Discovery. Still, I liked After Image much better as I find Esri more struggling with herself as uh, more struggling with herself is more interesting in trying to find self confidence, which is a main aspect of the Esri character. How this comes up in the next Esri episode though is disappointing for a different reason, but we'll talk about that later. Two and a half out of five. I uh, it, I had this a similar thought when she first calls her mother. I was like, "Oh God, this is going to be like a shitty Luxana story," mm. and it wasn't even that interesting. It yeah. like Luxana at least is an interesting character that yeah. has and brings some life to the screen. <laughs> um, <laughs> this was not even even when she goes to her fucking house, everything is like taupe colored. Yeah, just a There's fireplace. No color. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's just all really drab. And boring and i don't it's like they tried to get this one out i mean obviously it's literally this is what i guess they did but it's yeah. like it feels like they just tried to get this one out and move on as quickly as possible i like the uh the back wall of their apartment is just one of those portable dividers because they haven't built a set they just put up a divider to sort of say awesome. like this is where yeah. the wall sits it yeah. also it also occurred to me i think so i think we talked about this briefly but i don't know why it stood out this time um, it's almost certain that one of those trills in Discovery season three is going to be Dax, right? I w- I would put like it they, at more they, than a coin flip. Yeah, that that's yeah. They I really doubt they're going to be able to resist that because we 
There's two ways you can you could go. There's the the only other trill that we know is the TNG one named Odan. I think so. If they wanted to get cute and not be as blunt, they would go with him. But I, they're pretty limited. I would say either way, we're going to get a trill that's been previously mentioned, and Dax seems pretty likely. Dax seems. I think Discovery would go with Dax over the other one and just be like, "Look at us, we've got Dax in the show." You now. know, honestly, if 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 the show wasn't so thick with uh, um already doing that kind of stuff yeah pointlessly yeah. referential stuff i would be into it you know why not he'd, what be, the the per- hell? he'd be the perfect character to bring into that series at that yeah point. especially yeah. if you need someone who can give you backstory as to what has happened in the past thousand years absolutely yeah. yes and personal experience not just uh like reading a computer log about what happened but someone who actually lived through whatever's gone on yep yeah is he is the part you know that scene where the guy pulls out the old starfleet flag is that a trill who does that because oh, i is, don't know it's gonna be dax uh yeah yeah i don't know i'm not sure uh captain quark says why does everyone know about o'brien's secret mission from the previous season shouldn't it be classified also <laughs> shouldn't point. the emphasis of the episode be on o'brien and not esri i think that esri is being unnecessarily cruel to her mother and too forgiving to her older brother janelle her mother may be a taskmaster, master, but how is she responsible for any of this happening? As for, as for the plot itself, it's fairly uninteresting with twists you can see coming from a mile away. Nice landscape shots of the planet, though. The landscape shots of the planet are pretty good. Very Star Wars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The, uh, the exterior of their house was nice looking, too. Yeah, yeah. Zim Nuclear Wessel says, Buried in this episode is the tragic story of a determined woman who left her home planet in order to escape the parasitic slugs that steal her people's bodies, only to lose her daughter to them because the Starfleet doctor didn't appreciate the horror of the situation. Yeah, I mean, if they, if they had, it would have been more interesting if they had got into why this family doesn't like the joining process, why they have a yeah. negative relationship with it or something. But. Yeah, that that's a that's a good point too. That I guess that that subtext is there, but it's like it is very subtext. It's yeah. it's barely even that's a kernel of a good idea that is just so trampled on by everything else that it's may as well not even be there. Yeah. I I would say it's an idea by happenstance. It's just like the situation knowing what you know about the characters and the way that the plot is set up implies that something is happening there, even if it doesn't mention it uh, in any yeah. kind of direct way. Matt Ross says, Today's family drama on this very special after-school special of DS9, Esri's backstory. It's not terrible. I mean, overly terrible. It was interesting yes, until, it it all fit, uh, until it all fit very neatly together with Billy's widow. Does it resolve the syndicate and the family business? No. Will Esri's brothers or mother be okay? Probably not. Will we ever hear about this again? No time. The annoyance of Cisco, seen or not, I thought was well done. Bashir's bro love for O'Brien will always be good for a snicker. The things that I thought were hu- was were humorous is when the cop delivering O'Brien admits to beating him, and then that they're having coffee together, and then they're having coffee together, and the look of sunrise about the wrong parts, and the look of su- surprise uh, sunrise about the wrong part. Really, I think it's probably supposed to be surprise. Surprise, yeah. The look of surprise about the wrong parts. Really, nothing is ever mislabeled ever. Right. Oh, uh, the drill part. Must be yeah. a criminal act. You have to wonder, though, about Billy's wife. He allegedly had honor. She sounds like a gold digger. Poor Bilby's out, but they're... De- uh, poor Bilby's, but they're... Poor Bilby, but they're dead now. Matt Ross, your, your autocorrect is killing me here. Just more drama. Stop than dictating this into your phone, Matt. <laughs> Siri, post on Patreon. Just more drama than anything. You can easily skip this episode. I would agree with that. Last comment, Will Yates. I get that we have to learn as much as possible about Esri in a short time frame, but this seemed like a bad soap opera or an episode of the OC. I did really like DeBoer's acting 
uh, a lot when her brother was admitting his crime and when she let her mother know that she was onto her. I also like that since she's not really an old friend, O'Brien wasn't sure if he could trust her motives. It probably would have been fun to see a Horta or two in the mines, though. One thing I couldn't figure is out was if New Sydney was a city on the planet or if it's an entirely different planet. I give this a meh out of five. Thank you, patrons. Yeah, I, I will say the best part of it. I, th- I, thought, sh- I thought she acted it very well. I thought she did a good job. Uh, Esri. Um, uh, the, yeah. Yeah, Deboer or whatever. Um, yeah, the, a, a lot of times in episodes like this, you can feel... The actor's not even really giving a shit. But, yes. Um, Miles but I O'Brien. thought everybody in it was, was fine. Would you <laughs> yeah. say? I would say Colmini is kind of... Uh, Colmini brought a, a different perspective to it, I guess. I just... He I don't, definitely matched everybody else's energy, which was like middling at yeah, best. Yeah, yeah. He's, I mean, I guess I liked having O'Brien in this just because if he wasn't there, it would have been totally lackluster. And what was yeah. going like he he's sort of solving the crime and he's fixing the drill and all that stuff. He he's doing he his involvement, I suppose, is weird because if it's an Ezri episode, he steals all of the scenes that Ezri would need to do to solve the mystery on herself. Mm-hmm. He's just there taking taking up screen time. So it's probably not a good decision to have him there, but I liked his characters. I, I like the character of being in this situation for whatever reason. Yeah. Let's uh, rate this one, I guess. On a scale of one to five, Clay, what are you going to give Prodigal Daughter? One. One. I agree. Terrible script. Awful. Yeah, this is uh, <laughs> objectively the one of the worst ones we've seen in a while. Yeah, I think so. Um, just just fundamentally doesn't, doesn't work. It, it's like a purely technical problem with everything that's going on here. There's, and it's, you know... To be fair, it is a purely technical problem, but it is a purely um, a very specific technical problem where it's like it, it looks fine. It's acted well. Uh, music is fine, I guess. I didn't really notice it. Yeah, the, the effects, the, the planet shots and everything look look nice and, you know. Yeah, it's purely the script and purely the basis of the, the entire story. Which you know? <laughs> <laughs> is... <laughs> which is which is you know it's like building a beautiful house on a crappy foundation you know yeah, uh yeah. or you know building a nice taupe colored house on a, on a on a shitty foundation yes but, which is i think it's a it's a season seven kind of terrible episode where you know as we were saying everything it looks like it, the machine is running and the machine is running well and so what they put out has this veneer of uh quality but when you actually take a second and look at what they're doing, it's just it's not good. Yeah, the engine the engine's been uh, tweaked, but they're putting in like low octane gas or something into this high running engine. It's just sputtering yeah. the whole way the whole way down. Yeah, um, yeah. I don't have anything else to say about Prodigal Daughter. Uh, a bad Ezri Dax story. I think things like this only strengthen my idea that Ezri Dax shouldn't be on the show anymore at this point. Mm. If you don't yeah, have anything I don't to know say, if I'd with go it. that far. What's that? Because I, I, I don't know if I'd go that far. Because I think there's a good, I think there's a good episode there. I think we talked about it. I mm. just think it's they didn't pull it out. Um, this is this is not an episode I would point to to say, oh, she she shouldn't be on the show because uh, the failing of this episode is, has nothing to do with her character. I guess I would. Um, you you I guess you would. I sort of watched an episode like this, and I feel that if you replace an actor or actress in the final season of something. I almost don't understand why you would give her so many stories at the expense of characters yeah. who have been there for so long. Right. So in, in mm-hmm. that case, I 
I, I say that she doesn't belong on the show anymore because I would so much rather see any of the other characters get a focused episode than her. Sure, sure. And I don't mind her existing, but I think that if you do something like this, that character has to just become a backgrounded character who's not prominent, but is there as a supporting role. Mm-hmm. And if you give her this episode, like, I'm so much more interested in, like, what Odo or Kira is doing like or a better O'Brien episode, a Quark, a Wharf, a Bashir. Well, I can tell you what Odo and Kira are doing. They're just sitting at a table, <laughs> gazing into each other's eyes longingly <laughs> for the rest of the fucking series. I'll give you something to gach on. Um, let's see here. Ew. Ew. <laughs> that's my that's my Ezri problem. It's it's just it's too late, too little, and too much effort going into a character that I don't feel the need to explain that much. But I agree with you at the same time that there is meat on the bones that they could have explored. All right, we're done with Prodigal Daughter. Um, I think Emperor's New Cloak is the next episode, but if you guys enjoyed the content, patreon.com slash file. Otherwise, you can click all the social media links down below. Facebook, Twitter, Discord, Instagram, blah, blah, blah. I think that's it. All the real ripe stuff has gone up. We're recording this on the day the Vampire in Brooklyn went up. On Halloween, Nightmare on Elm Street will go up. So you can look forward to that. And I think that's pretty much it for all the extracurricular stuff. Clay, do you have anything you want to say? Uh, the final, I believe this will be, by the time this is up, the final episode of season two of Bat-Ass will be up. And uh, Sean and I are going to take a bit of a break. And then we're going to do a Q&A episode where we talk about Curse of the White Knight, which is Sean's book he's currently doing. Um, so if you want to shoot us some questions, you can do that on Twitter at Bat ass podcast with the hashtag bat ass b a t t a s s or shoot us an email at bat ass podcast at gmail dot com b a t t a s s podcast at gmail dot com. There we go. We're done. We're done with this episode. We'll be back with. I'm going to double check just so I don't go off on an error. It is the Emperor's New Cloak is the next episode. So the final Mirror Universe episode of DS9 is oh up next. It just back to back knockouts. Yeah, I know. Because <laughs> I, 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 I imagine this one's going to be stellar. Uh, this one's also bad. I, I won't mm. spoil anything, but it's it's another bad episode. It's not only a mirror universe clay. Mm. It's also a Ferengi episode. Oh Jesus! <laughs> <laughs> the show is kind enough to combine the two into one episode oh, to get it out of the way. Oh my god! I guess that's one way to look at it. Yeah, they got to get this out of the way. So I may as well killed two birds with one stone guys thank you very much for listening we'll see you next time